Rob Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. Left side, it's a three. In and out, rebound, out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the break. Here's Kevin Danner. Gary St. G. Steal by Kaminga. Up front on the handoff. Treble and Dodges just lets him go and he hammers it down with a right hand. Jonathan Kaminga, one of his better games of the year was last night. He's put together a series of good games and, and uh, really starting to show the promise that we think he has and, and we think he's going to be the type of player that's going to be around the, the NBA for a long, long time. In last night's win in Dallas, and what a huge win that is. I know as broadcasters, we always say, oh, this is a big game, this is a big game. That was a big game last night. The Warriors go to the sixth spot. They have the tiebreaker on Dallas. So it's one more team, say, so to speak, off the list of the tiebreakers. And that's huge. Anytime you can get a tiebreaker at this point of the season with the way the standings are, uh, that's a really big deal. Now, the Warriors do not have the tiebreaker against Phoenix. I don't think it's going to come into play. They have a 2-1 lead on Minnesota with one game to play in this homestand. They've clinched the tiebreaker against Dallas. Now, right now, the Clippers lead the Warriors in division play. But the Clippers have two games left in, in division play. The Warriors have one. If the Warriors win, the Clippers lose their two. They would be tied. It would go to conference play. And right now, the Warriors have the edge in that. So hope, hopefully the Lakers and Phoenix in the two of the last of three games of the year for the Clippers will uh, give the Warriors some help. They have the 2-1 lead over Oklahoma City with one game to play. And that team is at 500, and they are lurking. That is a really interesting squad right now. I'm going to talk to Gary St. G about that in a minute. Lakers hold the tiebreaker tiebreaker on the Warriors, and the Pelicans lead 2-1 on the Warriors with one game to play. That's upcoming at Chase. So, a lot of things in motion right now, but the win last night really gives the Warriors a little bit of an edge right now because they're coming back to four games at Chase Center. I, Tim Roy, and I have to tell you, what a, what a pleasure it is because this is like a throwback night for me, and you can hit us up with your questions and text at 888-957-9570. That's 888-957-9570 because back in the day when I was in another city in Northern California, I did a show with Gary St. Jean when Gary was coach of the Sacramento Kings. Of course, Gary St. Jean, longtime NBA assistant coach, head coach, general manager, and Saint, I know you were a little conflicted last night. Your son is on Jason Kidd's staff in Dallas, but if you're looking at it from purely a Dubs standpoint, that was A, a great NBA game because it had drama, chaos, and all kinds of stuff going on, and also B, it was a great win for the Dubs. Well, Tim, first, that was the most fun I've ever had on a radio show with my days with you. No doubt about it. We can't tell all the stories. No, no, no. Because they uh, block us right off the air. They have to wait Uh, for our books. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to share with you, yes, I was torn last night, and and blood's thicker than water, so I was cheering for Greg. But uh, my hat's off to the Warriors, Uh, a, a great road win. And to me, it uh, it just showed the veteran experience and the, the grit. And uh, I'm going to say this. I, I thought the key to the game was the rebounding. 
And in the control of the paint, uh, the paint points were dominant, 66-54, and Draymond has four blocked shots in there, and they out-rebound uh, Dallas 44-31. to uh, And that, you know, the Warriors are not a huge team, but they looked big last night, and they, they did it in, in fine fashion. I thought it was really, as you said, a, a great game for Kaminga. You mentioned the points, uh, 9 for 11, 22 points, but I was really impressed with his defense against Luka. I, I thought he did a great job, and I know we're going to talk about the rest of the guys, but beyond the paint play, for me, uh, it was the bench. I thought Poole played a very controlled game. He let the game come to him, and he read the game well. And Green and Lamb did a nice job coming off the bench, so uh, it, it was really a special win for the Warriors. It really was, because they took advantage of what Dallas doesn't have. They don't have a shot blocker. They're not a great rebounding team, and so I, I think they really did a nice job there because all night long they were like shooting like eighty percent or whatever from t- uh, from two most of the night, and uh, so that that was impressive. The the thing about Kaminga, and you mentioned the the defense with Kaminga, what's really tantalizing for me, and you as a coach can I want you to comment on this, is that. If he can get Peyton back, and the news on Gary Payton today uh, that he's going to practice tomorrow uh, for the Warriors, not tomorrow, Saturday. He's going to practice uh, Saturday, on, and again, after Saturday, his status for Sunday's game against Minnesota will be determined. That's a real uh, great sign for the Warriors because getting Gary Payton the second back will be huge for them. And then you add if when if and when Wiggins comes back, and you have uh, those three guys now, along with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, you've got guys that can defend, and that that's got to be that's got to be great for head coach Steve Kerr, correct? Oh, without a doubt. And uh, you know, with that said, Tim, I think last night's win. I don't think I'm being uh, too jubilant. I think they're going to be six or higher. I don't see them falling down. These other teams are knocking each other off. You covered it beautifully in your intro. And, uh, hey, who the heck knows what's going to happen with the Clippers with George out? And we haven't seen Aiton and Durant. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Phoenix. So the only things I'm sure of is Denver and um, and Memphis and the Kings. I, I think that's one, two, three. And that, that's going to stay that way. And uh, so with that said... Listen, to, to get the sixth spot, you're going to wind up playing the Sacramento Kings. You and I can go way, way back and share <laughs> that there's never been a good Kings team with a, with a good Warrior team. There's never always been the one the or the time. other. Yeah, it's never. amazing that that's it's, it's, never happened. And if that ever comes about, that they play each other, there might be a line here to, wait, here to Sacramento of people wanting to get in there to see that stuff. I mean, that... So for me, uh, that was a huge win, and you noted a couple teams. I, I've got respect for what, uh, for example, what Minnesota's done. Oh yeah, uh, a really nice job. And you mentioned OKC. We're going to chat about them. They've done a terrific job. And you know, Dallas. Uh, you know, having listen, we know this with with Ur- with uh, Wiggins being out. One uh, Doncic misses five games, and then Kyrie misses games, and. You know, I, I'm not going to be, uh, eh, what's the right words? The Warriors had a little good luck. They haven't played against Durant. They didn't have to play against the Greek. 
They didn't have to pay, play against Kyrie, and I don't think they're going to wind up playing against Embiid. Well, who the heck cares? Just get the wins. Yeah, you know, nobody had to play against Clay for two years, so That's you right. know. So they, it, it all, you know, like you know, nobody feels sorry for you in this league. It's nope. just you know, the uh, the old uh, cliche: the best ability is availability. Um, let's talk about the crazy play for a moment. And again, I know this is a tough spot for you because your son's on the staff. What did you make of that crazy play last night? Coming out of the timeout, Dallas thought they had the ball, but there's a couple things going on here. If they thought they had the ball. Why wasn't somebody going over to inbound the ball? That was number one, first thing I thought of. And the Warriors get this easy bucket for Kevon Looney. And you would have thought that somebody on Dallas's staff might have wandered over to the scorer's table just to double-check everything during the timeout. But apparently they didn't do that. Well, first I'm going to say that the game management by the officials I thought was poor. And uh, I can say this because I'm not coaching anymore. I'm not a GM anymore. <laughs> I think the officiating has gone down significantly. I, I Night to night, I don't know what you're going to get. And that's not good for our league. Uh, but I will say this. Pointing one way, then saying they got the ball the other way, and then you go to the huddle, you're Dallas, and you're drawing up a play because you think you got the ball. And then the cerebral play by Poole going down there and taking the ball right from the officials and putting it in play and laying it in. And and frankly, if, if they blew the call, I don't even know if that's a correctable error. Uh, so I, but, but with that said, Timmy, you and I have been in this a long, long, long time. They're not going to win that protest. No. They don't have there's a shot. N- there's, there's no, no shot. chance. There's no None. chance. The best... Protest story ever though was from the seventies. I don't know if you remember this because uh, we actually interviewed one of the the guys involved years ago, and R. C. Davis did the interview with Kevin Lockery got about six technicals and got thrown out of a game, and <laughs> it was between Philly and um, and I think it was New Jersey maybe, and so they had to replay the last. There was some sort of an error, correctable error, so they had to replay like the last few minutes of the fourth quarter, right? So during the meantime, the teams had made a trade. So so there are guys in in, in the in the game who appeared on both sides of the box score. <laughs> they played for one team the first time and played for the second team the second time. And uh, that, that, to me, was the only uh, protest, I think, that ever should have gone through, just simply because they made the trade so you could have that box score. But, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think they have a shot at that, um, that no. particular thing. But hey, hey, Tim, yes. Kevin Lockery, mm-hmm. now, this is one of the great guys in the NBA, had about six head coaching jobs. He's coaching. I think it was we were the we were the Milwaukee Bucks playing him, and uh, we're an exhibition game up in uh, Oshkosh, somewhere in Wisconsin, up there. <laughs> so he takes the ball and uh, gets ticked off at Earl Strom or somebody. He punts the ball about sixty rows up. Wow! And Nelly's down the other end, giving the field goal signal that it's good. <laughs> and we're laughing our buns off. It, it, he he was a character. And then you fast forward to Minute's days with the Warriors. I've told you this one. We're playing in Washington, and uh, Minute's uh, playing defense down by their bench, and he had been with Washington with Kevin. So they had two rookies, and they both tried to come in there, and Minute uh, 
blocks their shot, and he looks over at Kevin. He says, Coach, don't your guys have cable? <laughs> that is one of my favorite stories of all time. Yeah, that's that's you know. unbelievable. Hey, before we uh, get to a break, I wanted you, we, we, I kind of teased about this before because I'm intrigued by their team. They have all these draft picks, but they're going to have to do well, something big because they, they can't get any younger than what they are now, <laughs> and that's Oklahoma City, 36-36 and 36 on the season, and a huge win the other night in L.A. Lou Dort did a great job right at the end on Kawhi Leonard. Uh, what is your take on the Thunder, and, and can they throw a little uh, monkey wrench, if you will, into the play-in tournament, into the playoffs? What a great job Mark Dagnall's done. Oh, Holy yeah. moly. Tim, who the heck plays more downhill than them? I, I think they're top two or three in the league in terms of dribble penetration to the paint. Uh, and that's because they're spacing with guys that have the ability to put the ball on the floor and create. They're not stationary, and that's what I love about them. And, you know, they've got Williams, the rookie from Santa Clara, and you talked about Dort. I tell you what, uh, you, you're going to have to uh, go into Epsom salts after you play against him because <laughs> that guy is so strong. I mean, I, I love that guy. And my favorite guy on that team is not Shea Gildress Alexander. Really? It's a guy that I see as a perfect warrior player, and that's Giddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love this guy. He completely understands the game inside and out. As a second-year player, it, it, he's beautiful to watch. I bet he's fabulous to play with. And, you know, they're going to get Holmgren. They're going to, you know, get they've got these picks from now until whatever. And I'm a Sam Presti guy because he's from Concord, Massachusetts, where my wife MJ's from. He had some of the same teachers as her. So uh, I'm a fan of that team. I, I think they've done a tremendous job. They really have. They have done a tremendous job, and, and uh, they, you know, they're, they're kind of doing it the way they have to do it. Because Oklahoma City, let's face it, it's not a a free agent destination team, and so they have to kind of build from the draft. They have to kind of kind of assemble a, a bunch of picks, and then maybe go and make a trade for a player who's under contract. Because it, it's going to be tough for them to attract players. They thought they had it done when they traded for Paul George. It didn't work out. Paul George wanted to go back to Southern California. California. So I, I, I'm really curious to see what they do in this this draft because they have so many picks the next few years. Sam Presti and Danny Ainge are going to control the draft in about the next five years or so. But, uh, <laughs> man, just crazy. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. 888-957-9570. Your comments on the dubs. What did you think of last night's game? Did you, what matchup would you like to see the Warriors play in the first round of the playoffs if indeed they secure a playoff spot you can text us there as well you can hit me up on Twitter at Warriors Vox Warriors VOX a reminder the Warriors 22-23 season presented by Kaiser Permanente and Chase Center tomorrow night March 24th the Dubs hosting Philadelphia presented by NBC Sports if MB doesn't play well you still got uh, James Harden to go out and see. Get your tickets now at Warriors.com or call Triple Eight GSW Hoop. Representative standing by, and certainly Philadelphia coming off an eight-game winning streak recently, so they were one of the hotter teams in the league. I'm Tim Roy, along with Gary St. Jean. This is the Warriors Roundtable. I'm filling in for Kevin Dan tonight, who has some Santa Cruz Warriors duties. We'll come back and take your calls, your texts, your comments as we continue on our flagship station for the Warriors Radio Network. 95.7 The Game. Each and every member of Dub Nation has a seat 
at this table. If everybody would please take your seats. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. Dana and Gary St. Jean. Poole has it. Screen by Kaminga. Poole gets Dodges. Goes to work. Crossover dribble. Stops. Beats Draymond for the lay-in. Beautiful assist by Jordan Poole. He's had a couple of nice... He only has two assists. Both of them have been beautiful. Tim Roy, Gary St. Jean. I'm filling in for Kevin Dana. Kevin with the C-Dubs tonight. Warriors and Philadelphia tomorrow. Tom Tobert alongside... And uh, Saint, I'm going to let you know here. We uh, this is uh, radio on the air, programming on the air. That I'm going to let you go after this segment because we put together R.C. Davis and I put together a nice feature on the passing of Willis Reed, and just because of the fact that he had such an impact league wide, he was you know the, when people talk about guys coming out of the locker room, they're doing a Willis Reed, you know, it's that kind of a thing. So we're going to do that in a little bit here. But uh, I know that you were in New Jersey, but I believe you missed Willis's head coach by a year. Is that correct? No, I was with him. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah, and uh, everything that you read and hear about, uh, multiply it by two. Uh, I'd never been around an NBA guy in all my 40-plus years that was <clears throat> just respected so much, and he was such a down-to-earth just regular guy, uh, not a big ego, uh, but yet had a had a presence about him. Uh, you know, I could. Buck Williams was there then, and Mike Ooh. Jaminski, Roy Hinson, Otis Birdsong, uh, Ray Ray Williams, uh, Albert King, <coughs> and uh, he he just um, he was special. I mean, I listened to Walt Frazier talk about him. And he had tears in his eyes talking about the impact that he had on him as a person and as a player. And uh, he, he it just it was great to listen to. So that that's terrific that you guys are, are going to do that uh, because he's one of the real special guys we've had in the NBA. You know, and, and, and I think people forget, and, and again, if you want to comment on the Warriors and everything else, you can hit me up on Twitter at Warriors Vox, Warriors VOX, or 888-957-9570 here on our flagship station, 95.7 The Game. But uh, the game has changed so much. And now if you're a five, you're a stretch five, more than likely. Or you're maybe like Clint Capella in Atlanta and you're in the dunker spot. Uh, or Kevon Looney, a guy that screens and gets his buckets, you know, right off of uh, uh, double teams and, and things like that. But back when he played, it was the golden era of centers. Because if you think about it, he, you know, when he started, he was playing against Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell and, and Walt Bellamy. And, and it seemed like every team had a great five that would come into the Bizelmo Beatty for the St. Louis Hawks and then you know Nate Thurman with the Warriors and then you get later in his career he had to deal with Bob Lanier and Lou Alcindor and and it just it was a it was a great time for for centers in the league and I don't think we'll ever see that again that we'll have that kind of a dominant you know sort of 15-year run of great centers well our game has changed so much with the uh, three ball uh, but you're right. Uh, you know, he, 6'9", kind of the same size as Dave Collins, and uh, had a beautiful face-up 15-foot jump shot. He played with a great, great team. And, of course, you and I are both from New England, and 
You know, I, I, I think I'm going to say this. You were a huge Celtics fan, too. And uh, I had to admit, back in those days, they had the better team with Frazier and DeBrusher and Bradley and uh, Phil Jackson coming off the bench. They, they were terrific. Beautiful team basketball led by Red Holtzman, uh, who I just thought was a tremendous coach. And he was the catalyst. He was the key guy. And every night, as you stated, he went against those guys. And he was Defensive Player of the Year, uh, MVP of the regular season, MVP uh, when they won the championships those two years. Uh, just just a complete player. And, of course, nothing more famous than when he walked out on the world's uh, most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, or getting ready to play uh, the Lakers. And Wilt and Elgin Baylor and West looked down and see him coming out. It was like a movie, Tim. And uh, he knocks down the first two shots, and that was it for him. But Frazier went on to have one of the greatest uh, NBA Finals games ever. And, uh, you know, I can go on and on. I, I just just cherish the days I spent with him, just sitting on planes, talking to him in the airports and stuff like that. Uh, he, he was an amazing, amazing guy. We'll have that upcoming in just a few minutes. There our look back at Willis Reed. Right now, let's go to the line. Matthew in the city wants to know about, I believe, Andrew Wiggins. What's up, Matthew? How's it going, guys? Uh, Good. Thanks for having me and taking my call. Yeah. Uh, so I just had an idea for a, a cool death lineup 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever you want to call it. But what would you guys think about Steph, Clay, DiVincenzo, Kaminga, and Wiggins? I think that that would be a pretty good lineup in the playoffs if done right and matched up correctly against the right team. What do you, what are you guys thought? Thank you. Must well, have been talking to Nelly in Maui <laughs> because you go small, smaller, smallest. And, uh, I, I happen to like that. I, I think that's a great lineup and, uh, uh, that's, that's fun stuff, you know, thinking up those kind of lineups and, you know, I, I give kudos to, to the Warriors organization and, and everybody. Uh, there's a privacy uh, sector here, and, and uh, we hope that everything goes well for Wiggins uh, and his family, and uh, hopefully he can come back and, and be a catalyst for this team. There's uh, He's really – you don't know how good a guy is or how much he's uh, respected till he's not around, and now you're seeing the impact – on both ends of the floor that he's had on this team. In the NBA Finals last year, uh, you could have voted for him for MVP if you didn't have a guy named Steph Curry. Absolutely. Uh, uh, John on Twitter at Warriors Vox, Warriors VOX, says, can the Dubs get to four? And, and Gary, down three in the loss column to Phoenix, that would be really hard to do with only eight games left. Well, if the Kings beat them tonight... And I don't know how long Aiton's going to be out, uh, but you know what? That's still not that far-fetched to me. Uh, that could happen, but I'm not greedy. Uh, I'll take six. That's wonderful. Uh, and, and we'll see what's going to happen. And, and Timmy, i got to share something with you. Our okay. man Tommy Abdenauer just texted me. Oh, he wanted Tommy. me to share with you. There's been a time our, our change. Great former trainer. <laughs> Uh, he wanted me to text you that uh, K State beat Michigan State, Ooh. so Mitch Mitch beat Jay Rich, and both wore number twenty three. Wow! There you go. 
There you go, Mitch Richmond and, and uh, Jason Richardson, two Warrior legends, and two of my favorite players to watch play because yep. both of those guys, you know, they just left it on the floor. They were they were out there full lather, and uh, boy, just uh, just just great stuff with those two guys. I love those guys. Um, so, saying when you know you were we were talking, we t- kind of went over Kaminga. And you mentioned Lamb. I want to ask you about Lamb because you know it's a lot of uh, a lot of the social media, internet uh, people don't seem to, to to value his worth to the Warriors. What what do you see, and why is he valuable uh, to this team? You know, I'm going to use the word four year player in college, and I, I just think it's the wealth of experience that he brought from the Catamounts, the University of Vermont, and uh, I love a. Uh, a heavy guy, a thick guy like him that can play in this game where he spaces the floor beautifully and can knock down threes, but yet is willing to get in there and get dirty in the paint. Uh, he's a smart player. He's not going to jump through the rim, but he knows how to play. And you have to be. I, I've always said this about Steve Kerr's teams. It's it's paramount that you have a high basketball IQ to play on both ends of the floor. Nobody else is playing box and one or putting hits on Luka Doncic at half court or all the things that they're scheming on defense uh, and, and just on offense, move the ball and move people. And yet he is very, very comfortable. Uh, great job by Bob Myers. Let's let's move on now to uh, Ben in Berkeley, who's going to join us here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Ben. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Um, yeah, I, I think one thing that no one's really talking about that I'm curious your thoughts on is the conditioning of GP2 and, more importantly, Andrew Wiggins, when and if they come back. We're all, ta- we're all speculating on... You know what's going on with Wiggins, and I think we can put that aside for a second. But like, let's say that 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 he's ready to come back. What's it going to take for for those guys to get on the court at a, at a you know let's face it at this point a playoff level? Thanks. Well, you're 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 onto something there, and it, it does take time, and, it, and it's not just the physical conditioning; it's getting back to an NBA paced game. That that takes time. Timmy will tell you that. You know, we've advanced so far. They've got the treadmills in the pool, in in the practice facilities, and they can work on non-weight bearing to keep conditioning. But, uh, you, you know, you got to get your timing back. So, yeah, it is a factor. But those are two lean guys that uh, take care of themselves really, really well. And you'd like to think it won't take a ton of time. And, you know, they can, they can be a factor in, in a lot of ways beyond just shooting the ball. You know, and, and Ben, I would tell you this, that the way the, that the science is right now, that if they're saying that his status for Minnesota is going to be determined, I'm talking about Gary Payton II in this case, is going to be determined after the practice on Saturday, what that mean, what that tells me is that the science says he's ready to go. You know, all the, all the, the measurements and, and everything else, how his muscles are firing, everything, that he is ready to go, and then they're just going to determine whether or not it's safe for him to get out there. So he's close. That's what it tells me. Is if, they, if, he, if they're going to evaluate him Saturday for Sunday, he's pretty close. Uh, say, before I, I, I let you go, and I invite everybody to stick around, we've got this wonderful feature about uh, Willis Reed, the great Willis Reed, who passed away this week at the age of 80. He was a, an MVP, a two-time finals MVP. And as, as Gary mentioned earlier, just a great guy on top of being a great player. 
and had a real impact on the NBA. But before I let you go, give me your thoughts on this this final you know eight game stretch, starting with this homestand and and how important is this homestand for the Warriors to make sure they stay in the playoffs and not in the play in. Well, I, I think it's huge uh, that they, they take care of business. And, it, you know, I've never – you're a better historian than I ever thought of being, and I've never seen a season like this with the differential in the home and the road. But uh, take care of business here at home. Uh, as you get down to the end, for example, Portland's there. Uh, they might be just hanging it up. Lillard might not be playing. The Kings may lock be locked into their spot. Uh, the Hornets are playing to uh, get, how do you pronounce that guy's name in France? Wiamba or whatever his name is? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they're not going to give you a great tussle. And uh, so I think the Sunday game is a big game. The Minnesota game, I think that's a big one. Pelicans, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know that Williamson will come back. So that team, you can win because you're at home. So I see a lot of W's. The Spurs. That's another one that's in the sweepstakes to get the Frenchman. And uh, so I, I think the schedule's really good uh, for the Warriors, and I think they'll take care of business. And I will not be shocked, Tim, if they even move up another spot. It will not shock me at all. Well, it's going to be interesting to tonight. Real big game coming up tonight for the Warriors. That's down in L.A., uh, the second yeah. of the two matchups between Oklahoma City and the Clippers. Uh, the Pelicans are winning right now. I'll run down. There's only four games tonight. I'll run down those scores a little bit later on. Saint, I, don't, I can't believe that I still get paid to talk basketball with you. It's so much fun. How so about me? Fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I listen to have a to chat with you. I, I miss you so much. You, I'm gonna. I, I'll make you blush. I've never been around a better, more humble NBA guy than Tim Roy, and we're blessed to have him call these games for all these years. I remember the day I'm coaching the Kings, and he comes up to me. And he says, "Saint, I got an offer to go to the Warriors," and I said, "What? You gotta go." <laughs> I mean, you're going down to the uh, this franchise and the Golden Gate Bridge and all these great people with Al Adels and everything, and what a run you've had. Thank you so much, Sam. It's very nice of you to say, and I, I appreciate you as well. You're one of the best guys I've ever met in this business. Have yourself a great night. Thanks, buddy. Take That's- care. That's Gary St. Gene. I, Tim Roy, will come back. A look at the great career of Willis Reed scores from around the NBA. The Warriors Roundtable continues on our flagship station, 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dana and Gary St. Gene are holding court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! At the Warriors Roundtable. You can't handle the truth! Curry, screened by Draymond Curry, gets free for three. Got it! On 95.7 The Game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Curry spins away from a defender, forces his way to the middle, gets to the foul line, bounce pass, Draymond goes up, scored, and got fouled! What with a foul, Draymond's got a chance for a three-point play. Not an easy finish, but his strength really helped him there. Jim Barnett with a commentary. What a great game that was last night in Dallas. A reminder, superstar artist and composer Ricardo Arjona is coming to Chase Center on May 5th. This will be the first time his tour is in San Francisco. Don't miss out. And coming up later on here on the roundtable. Quickly, at the McQuill logo, sets up Randall. Randall circling right. Mo Fogg Randall, right wing three. 
Hits it. Magic got caught in the roller. Knicks down by two. 73-71. Randall with his first three. Knicks are exactly where they want to be after being down 19 in this quarter. Down two with a minute to go in this, in this quarter. Did they come back and win? We'll have all the scores for you coming up in just a few minutes. But right now, we're going to celebrate a great career in the NBA. One of the all-time greats and certainly a guy that had a huge impact on the National Basketball Association. Let's take five and look back at the great career of Willis Reed. He was born in Louisiana, growing up in Bernice, and he found his way to Westside High School in Lilly, Louisiana, where a coach by the name of Lemon Stone encouraged him to play basketball. That suggestion led Reed to Grambling State University, where his play was noticed by pro scouts. And in the 1964 NBA draft, the New York Knicks selected Reed with pick number 10, which back in 1964 meant he was the first pick of the second round. Reed, like every incoming player to the NBA, went from playing against boys to playing against men. You got to remember, and I remember this, that you're going to be playing against veteran guys. You're going to play against guys. Some guys have as much as... 10 years of NBA experience and has played those many games and stuff. So the physicality of the game in terms of stamina and pure physical strength of the men you're playing against was going to be a lot different. That, that was the toughest part of it. You really had to make sure you got your rest. His first to three years on the New York Knicks were not very good. The team did not win more than 36 games in each of those seasons. But change was in the offing in the form of a couple of deals. We traded Johnny Green, and uh, we ended up getting uh, Walt Bellamy. And Walt Bellamy came, he went to play center, and I went to play power forward. And then eventually we traded Walt Bellamy and Howie Colmise uh, to get to Detroit to get Dave DeBusher. And I went back uh, to play in center. Uh, and uh, at that time, I think that kind of solidified our team in that when uh, Walt Clyde hadn't been a starting guard for us, but when Colmise got traded, then he became our starting point guard. I think we became a very good basketball team. And so, you know, those were the ingredients that put us there. In the 1968-69 season, the New York Knicks had a new head coach in Red Holzman. They made the playoffs, sweeping the Baltimore Bullets in the first round before losing to Boston in the Eastern Final. Holzman felt he had something with this young New York Knicks squad, and he also had a leader in Willis Reed. Willis Reed makes coaching so much easier. He sets a great example. He's out there trying to help everybody. And uh, if Willis Reed is trying to do everything right, then it's pretty hard for a rookie or any other person on the club not to. The 1969-70 New York Knicks won 60 games. And in the first round of the playoffs, took seven tough contests to get rid of the Baltimore Bullets. They defeated Milwaukee and Lou Alcindor in five games and then took on Los Angeles in the NBA Finals. The series was tied at two games apiece. During that game, Willis went down with a serious leg injury, but the Knicks still came away with the win. The biggest thing you don't want to do is that, you you know, you want to play all the big games and you don't want to get hurt. You want to be able to play at a high level. And obviously my getting hurt 
wasn't didn't help us. Uh, but uh, I think that of all the games we won, that was probably the most significant game because winning there would meant that you know we had a chance to uh, get a chance to play again and have a chance to win. The Lakers won Game 6 with Reed unable to play, and his status for Game 7 was very much up in the air. What would happen next would solidify Reed's reputation and his place in NBA history, but he didn't know that at the time. I didn't know what was going to happen when I got on the floor. I was hoping that I was going to be, once they gave me the uh, cortisone shot, that I would be great and wouldn't even feel the pain in my leg. But uh, that wasn't quite the case. And all the guys came in and said, hey, man, you give us a few minutes and, and uh, we're going to win this one tonight. I mean, it's going championship going to be out. And uh, I, I think the greatest thing about all, the, the advantage that we had and that was final series was what we had home court advantage. Bill Bradley, the Rhodes Scholar from Princeton, was a forward on that team. And in a conversation with Reed and former New York guard Walt Frazier, he described the scene before Game 7. When I left the locker room, I don't know about you, Clyde, I didn't know if Wills was going to play. Uh, so he's on the training table. And then we're out there warming up, and suddenly there's this rumble. And then there's this roar. And Jack, 19,500 fans here in New York City uh, have yet to see Willis Reed at this hour of the evening. That is very critical. We heard Red Holzman say he expected him to start. We just had an announcement uh, from the press row that Willis has just received 200 cc of cortisone. Now, I've had cortisone myself, and I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Six feet ten from Grambling. The captain of the Knicks, the most valuable player of the NBA. It's a standing ovation at the new Madison Square Garden. This is a 38 sellout crowd, and they have been reacting to their Knickerbockers the same way all season long. And he has hit two in a row, and they are beside themselves. And I looked down to the other end, and here's uh, West, Baylor, and Chamberlain. They're no longer warming up. They're watching Willis. And then, you know, the, the game starts. You put it on the line, Willis, the courage, and showed you put your career on the line for your teammates. And you got the ball, like, second time, about 17 feet. Chamberlain hung under. You shot. Made it. Two plays down. You did the same thing. On it to read on the forecourt. Right side from 20. Jumps. Yes, has hit on his first two. 113.99. The Knicks inbound about it in the backcourt. Cross court to Busher. Five seconds. The Busher holds the ball. Three seconds. The Busher holds the ball. Two seconds. The Busher holds the ball. That is it. The New York Knickerbockers have won the 1969-70 World Championship of Basketball. They are being carved as they head to the dressing room. New York would go on to win another title in 1973, and during his career, Willis Reed at six foot ten played in the golden era of centers, facing Wilt, Bill Russell, Lou Alcindor, Nate Thurman, Wes Unseld, and Bob Lanier. Lanier, years ago, on a special edition of the Warriors Roundtable, spoke how Reed impacted his life. I loved Willis uh, because as I was coming out of college, I would go to his camp all the time, and he was kind of like a mentor for me, too. Uh, had great wars against him because I knew his game. I knew what he liked to do, and I was kind of like right there. But uh, when it came to the game being on the tube, hmm, 
They always won and we always <laughs> lost. Yeah. Among those great pivot men, Reed was well-respected. Witness 1988, when Wes Unseld of the Baltimore Bullets was inducted into the Hall of Fame, he asked Reed, his rival, to do the honors. Uh, you know, people always ask me, say, how tough it was to play against Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, but they didn't really understand that when you played against Wes Unsell, that he abused your body. <laughs> and and uh, every night, so I'm very happy to be here and stand and be Conrad's with him for one night. It is very, indeed, a pleasure for me. Willis Reed impacted players, coaches, and fans, especially in the New York area. Alan Brown has been a Warriors radio statistician for over two decades. He grew up in New York City and described what it was like to root for the captain. Before I moved to San Francisco, I was born and raised in New York in a pretty hardcore basketball family. My dad was all New York City and played at NYU when NYU went to the Final Four back in the late 50s. Uh, my brother was an all-county player, and you know I played a little bit of ball myself. And We all grew up Knickerbocker fans. And uh, when I was uh, nine years old was when the Knicks started to get very good. They traded for DeBusher. And, you know, and obviously they put together a team that went to the finals and Willis Reed was the captain and everybody in New York knew he was the captain and he was revered and the, the Knicks were the team and Willis was the leader. They had great supporting cast, of course, you know, the Busher, Bradley, uh, Frazier, uh, Dick Barnett and eventually Monroe and so forth. But it was Willis's team and he was the leader. He was the pulse. And uh, I remember watching, you know, listening uh, to Game 7, I was sitting in bed and uh, I had the transistor radio going and was listening to Marv Albert and everybody was anxious for two days. Was Willis going to play? Is he not? And when Marv made the call that he walked onto the court, it was a pretty emotional experience and obviously the game was basically over at that point uh, even though the game hadn't started yet. And he was the leader of the Knickerbockers and you know, truly as a player and in the spirit of the Knicks. Reed would have his number 19 retired in 1976, just one year after his playing career ended. And he was the first New York player to have his jersey hoisted to the rafters. Willis Reed averaged double figures in scoring every year he played and finished with averages of 18 points and 12 rebounds a night, shooting over 47% from the field. He would become a coach of the Knicks and the New Jersey Nets and also at Creighton University. He was an executive in New Jersey with the Nets franchise. He's also the best player from Grambling ever to play in the NBA. And to this day, he's one of the most impactful players that a franchise has ever had. Willis Reed was Rookie of the Year in 1965, making the All-Rookie Team. He was a five-time All-NBA player, a seven-time All-Star, two-time champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP. He was the MVP of the 1969-70 season, a member of the NBA 75th Anniversary Team, and was inducted into Springfield in 1982. Willis Reed lived 80 impactful years, and we thank him for his contributions to the game that we love.
Hope you enjoyed that look back at Willis Reed and a little Dave Brubeck there right at the end. The Warriors will take on Minnesota at home on Sunday, March 26th, presented by State Farm. All fans in attendance receive a Warriors splashdown. Get your tickets now at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representative standing by. Willis Reed had a tremendous impact on the NBA. And again, anytime someone comes out of the locker room, they say he's doing a Willis Reed. Let's get to your uh, scoreboard right now in uh, the G League. The uh, Vipers of Rio Grande Valley lead the C-Dubs down in Texas 184. That's through three quarters. But the game of the night, the finish of the night, might be the game between the Brooklyn and Cleveland. Cleveland down one. Donovan Mitchell at the line. In the final seconds, he misses the second free throw. Five on the clock. Levert, left corner, Okoro. Three. Good! Ice hit it! Ice with ice in his veins. Hit the three from the left corner. Cavs up. 116. 114.7 to go. Unbelievable. That's Tim Alcorn on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs win 116-114. New York loses in Orlando. Magic 111. Knicks 106. And in the fourth quarter right now, New Orleans 103. Charlotte 85. Brandon Ingram already with a triple-double. Big game for the Warriors to watch tonight. Oklahoma City at L.A. They take on the Clippers, the second of two games for OKC down in L.A. So this is a big one. Of course, the Warriors chasing the Clippers and Oklahoma City. City is right behind them. That's going to wrap up the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy for Gary St. Jean along with Mark R.C. Davis, the Warriors Senior Radio Producer. Don't forget the upcoming broadcast presented by Ticketmaster tomorrow night. Warriors and Philly, 6.30 the airtime, 7 o'clock the tip, presented by NBC Sports. We hope you enjoyed our look back at Willis Reed. I'm Tim Roy. Kevin Dan will be back in the saddle next week right here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on our flagship station for Gold Golden State Warriors basketball, and that is 95-7 the game. You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry breaks it through, one hand three, up and good. The exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. That playful and nailed it. 95-7 the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.